1: Bijou Podcasts. This is a special bonus episode of the Stacey June Show. Today, I have a spiritual showdown to share with you with Jeremy Khan. I'm Stacey June. Hello. I want to help you find your inner spark. And I promise you, this podcast is going to be so much more than a motivational meme. By sharing the teachings and lessons I've learned on my path to spiritual and personal growth, you too can connect with your true self and become the most honest, worthy, and powerful version of yourself you can be. This podcast is going to be about connecting with others and reconnecting you with yourself, learning to enjoy the good stuff in the moment the lessons in the hard stuff, which is often where they live, and to always find the funny in the fucked. Hello guys, welcome to a very special episode of the Stacey June Show. I did a podcast with a friend of mine by the name of Jeremy Khan. I've known Jez for a very long time uh, across the radio circuit. He is the digital producer behind the Hamish and Andy show. So basically every single video that has made you smile, piss yourself laughing or have some form of oh my God moment, uh, Jez is behind. He is such an incredible soul. And even before he was really open and more public about, I guess, his spiritual interests, I always had this real, uh, I don't know, this real openness to Jez because he, is an open soul. The way he partied, the way he laughed, the way he saw a story, the way his energy was, it was always so childlike and so curious. And there was something really inviting and kind about the way that he he was around an industry that can be pretty fickle. I must admit, though, a lot of the guys from Hamish Nandy, well, all of them that I know um, are all pretty good eggs. But he has he's, he's doing so much at the moment that I wanted to share with you. But in in particular, there is a discount meditation club that he is really passionate about. It's an online wellness club. It's hosted by him and you can subscribe. It's $10 a month. That's it, $10 a month. There is a weekly schedule. It's based on Melbourne Australia Times uh, and there are three different options of classes. So you can learn the meditation technique he wants to share. You can join in a meditation group every morning from Monday to Friday At 7 a.m., and then you've got an opportunity to refine your practice and maybe ask some questions, which happens on Friday after the group meditation. If you are interested in joining, I will put the link in the show notes. Um, He is doing such incredible things. He started his own podcast as well, which this show will also feature on. Um, And you can find out those details in show notes too. He started a website uh, that is all about creating. I guess, humor and lightness in the spiritual, um, inquisitive conversation. He's still working with Hamish and Andy and doing a whole heap of other things. He's worked with so many incredible brands and names across the world. Um, you're going to love this chat. Jez and I have a really good catch up. We get to know each other a little bit better and, and we talk about what it's like to start new spiritual, um, I guess like a, a semi-entrepreneurship and we talk about why we're inquisitive beings the way that we are. I share a lot about... Um, a lot about how I have been shy about my spirituality for some time and go pretty – I go pretty deep and honest into the depths of what meditation will bring out in me and how I really tap into my intuition. And I speak about that a lot on the show and a lot in my workshops, but this particular chat, I really felt very vulnerable and very open and honest about just how curious and deep and I guess open I can be in my own personal practice. I hope you enjoyed this chat. Let Jeremy know that you heard him here, there, and he's got some incredible conversations on his podcast. Like I said, um, that I will make sure I put in show notes if you want to continue to follow his journey. All right, guys, enjoy this very special bonus episode with Jeremy Kahn.
2: Hello, Stacey, you beautiful soul. Hello. Yes. This is going to be a double podcast, so you're going to come on mine and I'm going to go on yours in the same audio.
1: Yes, it's a double trouble.
2: And tell me where you are right now in your life and what what that means to you. I've been looking forward to
1: this show. I really have. Oh, Can I swear? Yep. Well, it's also my show, so yes. I can answer my own questions. Where am I at right now? Okay. I'm in Melbourne, which for me brings up many things because it's my hometown and I've lived away for a long time, but I very much equate Melbourne to being a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's an anchor, but it's definitely my Achilles heel a bit on Mm -hmm. so many ways in that it offers me this joy that nothing, nothing else does, but then I also get a bit, not naughty, I play here in a way that I've understood is one part of playing so I come home so I'm a little bit hungover and I don't really drink that much anymore um but it was fun yeah and and I'm probably judging myself a little bit for not meditating Mm. and I'm really happy good I feel um bright and I feel like I've gone through i'm still really looking at 2018 i'm still kind of sitting in a ref, not reflection but I, I feel like i'm really in a place every day over the past probably couple of weeks every day i've felt like i've flourished from that year
2: wow yeah so, so you, you what's the most relevant like mechanism that's going on in your mind at the moment in terms of um what you know i guess on your own growth or your own development like what's the thing that's challenging you the most right now
1: challenging yeah um i don't feel overly challenged at the moment which i think is a big achievement for me because i'm a fixer i grew up being knowing that my role was to fix and i really adjusted or kind of started to correct that a little bit last year and so now you usually if i get to a place of not even space but kind of unity or some form of full circle or even starting to understand why i might have gone through something really early stages though mm. i would start looking for the next thing to work on and i don't quite have that today mm uh, in this morning. (laughs) We'll see what, how I am at five o'clock this afternoon, but I've got a lot going on. And so it's quite interesting to think that I don't feel overly challenged. I feel very, um, yeah, I feel very, my hands are up. Hmm. I feel like I've worked very, very hard over the past year of surrendering. It's been my big buzzword. Right. And I, yeah, I don't. I don't know what I'm hanging on to today. I don't, not a lot.
2: And tell me what the like some specific examples of what surrendering means to you.
1: Well, I think the big thing that I'm, I've realised over the past twelve months is there's a few words that we all have felt like we're quite entitled to have, or we're quite that are just going to present themselves to us just because we're human. And I think surrender is one of them. Vulnerability is another. These types of words where you think they just come out of you as a part of your personality, but like vulnerability, surrender is a real action. And I didn't quite understand the concept of that. So I, um, I've really worked through a step-by-step process. I've got five, um, key kind of ideas of how to surrender in my toilet so I look at them and I, I choose one Sorry, not, every day. Not yeah gotcha yeah so it could be um, if you're feeling the weight on your shoulders surrender more so you think you've surrendered So say you say for example I'm like okay I'm waiting back for an email um, on whether I'm going to get this column and I'm in I'm sitting on the toilet and I'm looking at this sign and it says are you still stressing about it and I'm like, well I've already surrendered. And then it's a reminder, well, you have, you've got to surrender more, not that you haven't surrendered, but there's more to surrender. There's more to surrender. So the biggest thing about surrender that I've learned is it is a a real layered, layered, layered Mm. action Mm. and a real investment, but mostly a commitment. And I, I've found that to be incredibly freeing, Mm. um, and incredibly difficult. Mm, But if you can, if you can, it's, it's probably one of the most powerful things I've done for myself.
2: Isn't it amazing what happens when you surrender, isn't it? It seems so the opposite to what we think we should do with a thing. Like we think we should chase, grab grip or manifest that way, but to actually let go you feel so much better inside yourself and it allows kind of the, I suppose the ecosystem of consciousness to work through you and work with you more flowy seamlessly, I guess. That's the kind an, of esoteric explanation.
1: Yeah. And there's a reason we don't trust what we can't see. You know, there's, I understand the psycho the psychology around what's this energy thing you speak of, or what's this thing that's meant to flow through us. I can't see it. I can't grab it. I can't buy it. And so I get that, but you don't know a lot, so you might as well throw the dice. Like None of us really know shit. And so it's not really that much of a risk when you think about it Hmm. by believing in something you can't buy or see. Um, So it is interesting when you say that manifestation, because I think when I started doing a lot of self-work, I was much, much younger. Kind of like sixteen, seventeen. I was candid, Louise. Hey, you can heal your life. It's seventeen, and so I started to get an idea of the fact that I could work with the universe to create my path, my life. And I didn't really like the one I was on, and I and I didn't judge where I came from, but I knew I I wanted to not necessarily repeat um, what I what I inherited, and. But I couldn't see anything in front of me. I didn't have examples. So I really really clung to that book. But what happened in that process, probably through my 20s, that I didn't quite understand was I was very controlling on my manifestation. So I did manifest a lot of things, but I was quite strategic about it. And I would find myself thinking I was top shit, like, look, I'm magic. I used to say, and I still say it to my girlfriends, like, but I'm magic. And we're all magic. (laughs) But I just believe that I am. And I believe that everybody is, mm. but really the power lies with when you believe it in yourself. Mm. You can't activate your magic until you believe your magic. So I can tell my friends they're magic, but they've got the on button, but I, I press mine on. So, but I was really kind of, and I would joke about that in my twenties. But then when I realized over the past few years, how magic I could be when I started to properly surrender and not even control those manifestation things. Cause I think that manifestation conversation, has been very much built that we can control our path, Mm. but there's still so much control in that. Mm. And Mm. I wasn't aware of that. Um, So that was kind of my first step into having that idea around energy and how we can start to, um, I don't know, work as a team with the world. Yes. But then I I realized there was a whole new, um, new level like in, mario you know mario brothers like i reached this extra new level where it was like if i surrender and don't you know don't necessarily even strategize how i get there i used to think it was just surrendering the outcome now i've surrendered even getting there and i've surrendered the idea that i might not even land with what i'm trying to manifest it just Mm. will take me where it's supposed to take
2: me and that's what's beautiful about life is when it does because you the best things I've found in life are the gifts like so the the experiences that you get that you don't control
1: the surprises the surprises yeah. and
2: that, that's the joyous part of that feels miraculous and miracle like in life is when and that they are, you can create more of them by softening your grip of what you mm. want with an outcome so I love that the way you describe like non attachment to outcome like mm. you can have a preference but it's I've discovered it's more about the actual intention like totally. it's, it's so I intend to make people experience moments of joys joy joys, joys <laughs> through, through, just... through funny videos like so that, that's my intention how I do that who I do it with that's the kind of form timing that that's all up not up to me so mm. much like I can I can still put it out there ideas of what I want to do and who I want to work with but it's really like and, – and I suppose the more you get signs back or collaborations back with people that you really want to work with but you didn't expect to be possible or whoever, whatever else.
1: Or the people that aren't even that big in their or not big but, you know, those kinds of bigger goals and then there's the smaller connections that you've had of smaller by – audience reach or not famous or these kinds Mm-mm. of things that are the impact that like the impact that those have that you don't necessarily
2: exactly bank on too. exactly. And it's more about the essence of the people that you work with than anything else, rather mm. than the reach and the potency of which the minds that you uh, penetrate mm. like the, the, But I think I, what I love about that is that it's, it's kind of, you're enjoying the ride of yourself mm. rather than gripping like really controlling it which just breeds anxiety and all these kind of not so pleasant emotions hey
1: oh and I have lived a life with anxiety daily Mm. um so the difference it's made on that part of my life has been incredible but there's a lot of shedding for you to get to live a life like this you do need to shed a lot and you do need to um yeah you've it, there's a few levels I think there's a lot you know you've kind of got to work up to it when did you mm. first think about the concept of manifestation because I was just thinking when I was handed that book and started to have that idea that there was a collaboration on offer <laughs> with the way we live our life yeah. <laughs> I really started you know started to think and look at things differently what book was that Uh, The Louise Hay book. Yeah. But did you have a moment or was it something that you read
2: or watched or? Um, I think it was a conviction from when I was about 16 and I was working jobs I didn't enjoy. And my dad said, that's just life. You work so you can have a life outside. And I was just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And I think it was from that moment, I just held onto that idea quite strongly that I want to enjoy what I do in my days. And I want what I do to have meaning and to have just I just want to have fun, basically. I where
1: that comes from, like where if it's innate in you, in your in your it DNA, it felt like it was innate in me. Yeah,
2: but it, it was also a bit of a reaction, reaction to the world when I looked around and seen people in cubicles and I'm thinking that looks and fucked. your dad, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, because he's the one saying it. And you love him, and you know, mm. and you're like, whoa.
2: It just felt not right. And I think it's that not rightness that all kids have intuitively when they look at the world and go, why aren't we just dancing in trees and like mm. playing on the beach? It's, it's this kind of, what's wrong with the world? And I think there's this kind of indigo generation that's coming up now, the teenage mm. kids that are woke per se and, and really just see the world more truly as it is and what we need to do. And they're taking that responsibility to shift it. But um, which gives you huge hope and it makes you look at the older generations and go. I don't like. I'm not even going to try to change their minds.
1: Die off now. (laughs)
2: Yeah, die off already. (laughs) There's the new evolution of the species. And let them come up. Some of
1: them are aware of it. I reckon my dad is. Like he said the most darkest thing to me yesterday. He was like, he's just he he really struggled after the was it the GFC? You know, like he and he really just did odd jobs here and there and did this incredible post about discrimination around the uh, like his age. He's 66. He couldn't get a job and he still. Wants to work. Mm. So, God love him. He's now doing, and he was a businessman, sales, traveled the He's doing the traffic. He's a sign.
2: Oh, yeah, holding tra- the lollipop <laughs> like that. <this. laughs>
1: and it's like crazy hours. He's 66, and he goes to me, You know what? Like, you guys have got lots of things coming through. There's stuff we can't do. So, if I die on the job, you'll get a lot of money. And I'm like, Dad, I, what do you mean? He was like, I'm going anyway. What more do we, what can we do? There's a lot of change. It's got to come. And I was like, what the fuck? This is yesterday Malded. sitting in South Bank. And I'm like, Dad, he's just laughing. He's just laughing. So and I was like, good. I think he's just aware. Like <laughs> I think he's aware. Yeah. And he's got no interest in changing it That's either. It's beautiful. It's pretty... It is pretty impressive.
2: See, that's a different, that's beautiful, that's a real, that's a gorgeous (laughs) thing. That's wisdom, you know, like, and I think older generations can offer wisdom, providing they've grown. (laughs) They
1: also need to be, I guess, accountable for what they can and can't offer at that point too. You know, like, I'm not saying that people that are of age can't offer anything, but he knows what his offering is, Mm, you know, and he knows, and I don't think he is at a point where he gives a shit if that's, good enough for someone or not. Oh, it's,
2: but, and that's the point we should be at. Like I feel yeah. like it's just doing things that, well. I'm realizing is doing things to other people. I, I think I can l- look so introspectively sometimes that I just create problems out of thin air yeah. and I don't end up, i realise that the greatest joy I can have is when I'm in service to other people or mm. being there with other people mm. as I am in the moment. And that's what I want to make my work about. It. And I think it always has been about that, like in, in the sense of I wanted to make people smile. That's mm. what my earliest memory of what, doing what I do. And and it, I didn't ever think I'd work in like comedy, mm. but I just producing videos that make people smile makes me so happy because I know that I'm impacting someone, like someone's state of consciousness in a, in a joyful way. Like in, and for
1: those of you that are listening on my show, Jazz worked with Hamish Nandy for a really long time. So So the, yeah, yeah, right. Mm. So the reach that you guys have had too, is just when you think about that and there's obviously all the, uh, the elements and the accolades and the success, but, Mm. but just to break all of that away and think about the amount of people you've made smile, Mm. like, cause that's what Mm. really Mm. is what ticks you, like makes Mm. you tick. Mm. Fuck,
2: man. I know. Do you just
1: get like, I just got to, because I know what you do. I've been, I'm in the industry, you know, but if you break all that crap away, the Hamish Nandy and big na- no name, all of that, leave all that on the side. And then you think about all the people who have smiled because you put that together.
2: Mm. It's crazy. It's so it makes me so happy. Cuz even I feel like I'm facilitating their comedy. Like I'm just a mechanic in the operation, but you can in the way you cut a narrative, you can you, can you can you can pull out the essence of it and refine it in a way that um magnifies it or makes it, you know, more powerful, I guess, but it's so easy when you are working with something like Hamish and Andy. But it, collectively, like I did, th- I did a, a c- count that on my videos the other day, and over working with like Tesla, Russell Brand, Hamish and Andy, oh yeah, and Russell Brand, a few, kind of, of few other ones, and my own ones as well because a bunch of mine have gone viral as well. Mm-hmm. But it's accumulated to one point five billion views, so I've felt very happy at that.
1: And and most of them will have, if not all, some form of smile you know that's your style yeah
2: yeah, yeah. they they all into yeah. yeah yeah fun is more it's more fun than funny yeah so we've any video it's just like the litmus test is does this feel fun or did it make me giggle that's really it yeah and then and then underneath that what i'm trying to do more and more of is is embed seeds of enlightened thinking or expanded thoughts that make people think a little bit outside the box and it's kind of that Enlightened comedy. So you soften the anatomy with a moment of joy and then you penetrate deeper into their soul with an insight that will help them um, rather than giving that that insight, which a lot of spiritual teachings do in a dry state, which everyone has walls up around. So I find that it's a really potent two-punch combo to soften and then deliver an insight because people are more likely to listen to something that will help them in a more objective way if their, if their walls are down.
1: Well, Tracy Spicer said that when we, when I, when I was thinking about really launching and concentrating on the thinker girls, I said, mm. I want to have people in my generation proud to be a feminist, not, mm. not, not want to be that, you know, there was a real, probably about five or six years ago. It was even, you know, it was just shitty, particularly chicks my age are a bit younger. And she was just like, make it funny make it funny
2: so i did <laughs> um, and it showed man i had so many girlfriends that would come up to me or be t- tell me about thinker girls and they they just loved the fact that you're th- you're intelligent woman being proud and funny like proud is in the sense of proud of, of your feminine your divine feminine capabilities mm, of mm. of what only females have <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and celebrating them but in a fun way and and thinking about things in an intelligent way so it's not just this Um, whitewash of bollocks that is, is in entertainment
1: and I think particularly for women we're so that we've got so many facets and I think we've been so boxed you feel like you need to come out as a a comedian on ABC that wears a cardigan or you need to be the weather girl or you need to be the scientist, Mm. you know, (laughs) whereas I feel I'm a lot of different things. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women find themselves that there are a lot of different things. And so I think we access that on the show a lot too. And it was hard because in a commercial environment, we were still, people still trying to box you, box you, box you. And we'd be in sales meetings and going, no, but we, and it just wouldn't gel, you know, it was was a difficult process. I think, like we were saying before we started recording, we're just a little bit ahead of that time. I think it's a very different conversation now, which is great. But I really, back to that, I guess, idea of some quite complex, or maybe not complex, but quite big conversations about who we are, what makes us tick, what's important, like the real important stuff, and finding a a lighter approachable way to talk about it, Mm. that style that you're doing your work and something that I really resonate with, because I, I do think that some of the conversations that we're both having on our shows, it can be a little elitist now. Like there's almost this idea that spirituality and self-care and um, your self-awareness is this Mm. Sure, it it had like a year or two of wokeness and now it's become – it can go really far the other way Mm. where it's not really approachable for a lot of people. And so I totally matched that, I guess – Desire to open that up for people.
2: Oh, you speak to my heart.
1: (laughs) Do you know as well, when you speak about the stuff that you're truly passionate about, your accent becomes thicker?
2: Uh, Does it? Yeah, it's funny. Maybe it's because it's my childhood self. Well, it's your
1: true self. Yeah, right. You're talking from the source. Right. Or Or it's talking through you. I'm not sure about that. Maybe it's a bit of both.
2: My teenage years, I guess, or something.
1: Or your divine is like, that, I don't know. And that's coming out so true. He's
2: a, a cockney geezer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's in that, with a
2: long beard.
1: Like Oliver's like a, a wizard or a wizard. <laughs> He's a wizard. No,
2: I like him just being a chimney sweeper. <laughs>
1: okay, okay, okay. Um, but
2: flipping spirituality on his head, that's what I feel is so relevant, in me at least, but mm. like as well as you, mm-hmm. clearly. But making it punk and dangerous and fun and radical, because that's all the things that it is. And this a lot of spiritual teachings are very serious and woo woo and and very overpriced that's my exact conviction mm. of discount meditation club that i started yeah it's, it's, I'm basically i'll put teaching. that in my
1: show notes too because so many people looking to find ways to start and mm. i just the only thing i can set, send them to is uh what do you, my husband's here he calls the d-pack and oprah oh, yeah. combo what do you call the combo <laughs> OPAC, yeah. O-pack. <laughs> I send them a lot to OPAC, which is the Deepak and Oprah free meditation yeah. a handful times of a year. But if people are starting, I say, wait for that. It's free. Yeah. And it's really easy. Yeah, But you're right. There's yeah. not many places I've had to send people no. for free or cheap, cheap yeah. ways to learn.
2: Well, I've been teaching for free for about three years. And this is the first one. I'm basically teaching what... Transcendental meditation charge one and a half thousand dollars for. I'm um, it's ninety five percent the same. I've never done technique. It. I yeah. just
1: refuse. it's no, I don't refuse, I just I was never called. Like, I always just taught myself and I went to different courses, picked up different things, checked in with myself of what I needed. It could be music. It could be um, saying some, you know, some mantras I learned at the end of a yoga class and one particular chick's got the organ out and she's singing and I took the words home. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've always just taught myself. But there's a reason for that. It's something that doesn't really click with that kind of price Mm. for me. Mm. I just... Yeah, I thought I might get there, but now that you're saying it, I feel like it, I didn't need to. Like, there's this new conversation, like you're having, which is, why? Why is it that well, much think, money? Mean,
2: you get. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, it's a two billion dollar industry. Transcendental meditation. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi started it. He's basically teaching a technique that was taught like five thousand years ago. It's just a very simple mantra-based technique, and that it's a hyper powerful but hyper simple. Technique and you know that TM sued after Maharishi passed, TM sued Tom Knowles for starting Vedic meditation, which is basically the same as TM mm, mm, mm. and, and they lost, but they spent millions of dollars trying to sue someone for spreading more meditation, which was the general consensus of TM when it started, which is to create world peace and get everyone meditating or as many people meditating as possible.
1: Can you imagine if people started suing each other for the rights to the law of attraction yeah. or, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. or the universe, you know, to surrendering, yeah. like we're talking about surrendering, we get sued by the captain of surrendering, like, which is dude, that's no, and that's why, you know, even when and I've, st- I've done started to do a bit of coaching and I'm like, this isn't my stuff. This is everyone's exactly. stuff. I'm just showing you what I've done, but it's not my mm. teachings for you. Mm. I'm showing you how I am sharing, mm. how I have done it for
2: me. And that's super important with teaching is only speak from your own experience. Mm-hmm. Because what generally happens as you learn from gurus or teachers is that you they only release truth that bubbles up from within you. So therefore it's your truth. Like the greatest teacher I've, Tom Knowles is actually a great in that sense. He, he, he said, if anything rings true in you that I say, it's your truth, not mine. And um, and I like the that's ownership lovely. of that because it's, he, he's, he's, which I think is truth. He, he's saying, I'm not the author of this knowledge. I'm just a conduit for the consciousness to flow through I me. Mean, I've cleared my channel a fuckload and that's why I can have such dope wisdom flowing through me. But he advises, like, for example, Hollywood heads has no clue about Hollywood whatsoever, but then just has downloads of what they should do to ha- resolve problems between making two films that they can't make at the same time, for example. And like two weeks later they come back to him saying that thing worked. And it's it's just his state of consciousness is so expanded that he can he's able to and that's what that thing that you said before, it's just a continuum, this a path of expansion like and 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 even that in itself I'm feeling a a bit off at the moment because it's like all it really is is now like I've I know some friends that don't have any spiritual knowledge but they are most the most spiritual beings I know because they're just so in the fucking moment I've got one of them yeah they're brilliant Mm. They're brilliant. And it made me... It was
1: funny. We were at a table last night, sorry to interrupt, and this particular friend's never seen a therapist and all of us had seen the same therapist. It was hilarious So we were talking about our joint therapist (laughs) and this one friend that is very similar has never seen a therapist, but she just packs this inner angel. She's just got this wisdom. It's just... insane and I'm so lucky to have found some form of strength in that because being compared, comparing yourself to someone like that since you know maybe since they're 12 Mm. and I've gone through just drag my resistance and chaos and storms (laughs) and (laughs) sex and drugs (laughs) and all the and she's like and and I could, you know, I could have really resisted that having her in my life, but I just constantly looked at her like she was from heaven. <laughs> and it was so lovely in a time where I often didn't. And we've, obviously she would say that I've given her lots too. It's an exchange, but mm. those people are like,
2: oh my God, Fascinating. They've already arrived. Like if How? there isn't a right destination. It's I don't know. Interesting. It's the lucky as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> because we do have to do work together. But also yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm finding it's like letting go of the work right mm. now. That's what I'm finding. is just like writing in my gratitude journal every morning. Just, I'm fucking grateful to be breathing air, to exist and to have moments in my health. And that's really.
1: Sometimes I chuck in the pen. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I'm grateful, grateful for this pen that I'm <laughs> writing in. Cause I'm like, I don't know today and I just have to find it. Do you know in um, in OPAC, I was doing it last week, one of the gratitude ones. It's actually a really nice month. Like they're doing It's all about gratitude. Mm. And, and they were saying, I think, I don't know if it was, well, now they've become one person. But so OPAC was saying, I don't know which one, that when you do your gratitude journal or if you are a journaler, or, you know, whichever way you practice gratitude, that it's really important to say I'm grateful for this that camera stand because it's helping you whatever <laughs> you've got to imagine the camera stand going I received oh, really? that like kind of thanks so it's an exchange ah. and I started doing that so like okay grateful for the fact that you know we live right near the water thing and I, but I actually got so specific I'm like okay I'm grateful for that body of water and then imagine the water being like no worries, Stace. Like, and it did something. <laughs> it, like, expanded it. Wow. It was, like, it was so cool. I was it like, sounds
2: like the beginnings of going nutty.
1: <laughs> it's, this is how my brain works. But it's like a little girl, like, playing all the time. Like, and yeah. I'm, like, because I just really work on if, I, if something feels good, then I don't really care how it sounds. Mm. You know, so it does sound. Mm. And I don't really I've become... No,
2: I'm in full support of what you are doing. Yeah, I way. know.
1: But I've become more confident with saying these stories because I've been living like this for a long time and been living privately like this for a long time. Right. So everyone's always got a bit of an idea that I've been a bit of a self-help person, mm. but no one had any idea just how spiritual I was. <laughs> it was like a secret, but I didn't mean for it to be secret. It was just my own world. I've always had
2: that. I wonder why, did did it make it more precious or potent in your activities of it when you don't share it? Because I think there's...
1: Yeah. Especially because I shared so much. Right. You know, once I started to do the podcast, the Thinker Girls podcast, and then the radio show and those types of things, and I was sharing, you know, like my, what I was using a diva cup instead of a tampon, or what my sex life was, or um, what I thought about. What, who I was voting for, like all these kinds of things that people don't share. So I suppose to some degree, even when I started to talk a little bit about spirituality, I never really took it into that radio station. It was funny. I mm. will talk about, and now I've got it in a, and now I talk about it so much, but it's on my own show by myself. Mm. So it's interesting mm. that I, and I still don't really go step by step by everything that I do. I, I share what I feel like, I've called to at that time, but I guess it's still a bit of a mystery to everyone. It's still a mystery to me and that's the essence of it. I think it's kind of the fun, you know, sometimes I even try and explain to my husband how how the things are working in my head. And I, and I have maybe the last few years just started to put names to, to guides or, or voices I hear and that's been quite scary to say out loud because I've been hearing them for a long time. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want to be a psychic. I don't, that's mm. not... But because I can get to myself to such a... I guess it was what you were talking about before of that um, that real clear streamline. I look at... You kind of used your hands to go expanded out ways. But I really, for me, in my picture, it's very much a line straight up and mm. threw me mm. to the ground like a tree, but then goes up energy all the way to forever and ever away. I and I, well, and so the clearer that is, or the timing depends. I don't really choose it. Mm. I'll get a message. And now I've just started to say, what's your name? Mm. And then once at one time I was Ben's dad, who's passed. Mm. And I, I said, can you tell me something? And he said, he just said another name and I, I get nervous even saying this story mm. um and I said to Ben and I didn't say anything about this exchange but I said who is this person this other man's name in your dad's life and Ben just looked and it was like and we've only been together for a couple of years I didn't you know his daddy passed and he said it's my dad's best mate And I was like okay yeah. okay
2: that's crazy. This is, hap-
1: this is okay.
2: Yeah. But also...
1: I believed, but that recognition's different.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: I mean, part of me is like. Always amazed at the beauty of that, but a part of me is also like, of course, <laughs> of course, yeah. of course, we have access to all this knowledge that's just in the in the ether or in consciousness itself. Like we, it's it, there's, it's like a whole field of in the cosmos that's interconnected somehow. It seems because there's so many stories again and again, like what you're saying, which are, are, are materializations of sort of consciousness or unmanifested consciousness coming into. Which, your channel.
1: Which we are all capable of accessing. Mm. That's the, the really important part for me in my direction and the things I want to talk about moving forward is that everyone is, is capable and not that you necessarily want to speak to your husband's dead dad. <laughs> it's not like a, it's not an aim for mm. me, but mm. it, it, it just shows you that there's magic that maybe you listening are still not a hundred percent sure of what your mm. access mm. is. You have just as much action access as me and jazz and mm. you know, mm. everyone. It's just, it's, you know, it's a
2: practice. It's the it's I a love clearing. It. it is. So uh, two things. Like one, first thing is like, it really just screams to me, the core point that we do control our control in this miraculous world is that our attitude toward it, obviously, and how we navigate, but then so much that we don't have control over. So I'd, I'd be really interested to know what you feel like are your key principles daily that you, that you like for me for right now, it's being calm and grounded and and not stimulating or overstressing myself, my anatomy in any way. Um, and that's really important for me. But what's like, and it's always changing, I suppose, mm, as well, but mm. what's your key principles that you do
1: um like at the moment Mm. it's my focus I I generally have it written on the blackboard I've got a little blackboard at the front door and that will change depending on and I've always been like this I'll have a word or a phrase something that has come through me through an angel card or a quote that's stuck with me and I'll be like okay it'll connect it all kind of just connects and I'll be not necessarily staring at it and working on it and Doing dances around the house, <laughs> reciting whatever the, but it will be kind of this. It's like a. I'm going to cough. Sorry. <coughs> it's like a um, like a human way to connect to whatever it is I'm supposed to be working on at the time that doesn't have a language. It has more of a feeling, so it might right. be um, trust, for example. And then I'll be working on ways to do that, which might be. Um, If my partner, for example, says that he's going to do something and I'm not sure if he is, activate it there. Um, If I'm not 100% sure about if that's going to take its path from a work perspective, uh, you know, will I get that email back, trust whichever way I'm supposed to go. So I start to kind of have themes Mm. and then I try to use them in different parts of my life as a focus. Like I've always done this little my own I see life as my own course I always have Mm. so I I, and I live like that very naturally I've always lived like that because I'm fascinated by it it's just there's (laughs) so much to (laughs) learn and and as I said before it's all a bit magic Mm. if you throw it up and play Mm. with it and so again I'm sure I sound a bit cuckoo but it's how I kind of live and So yeah, I think at the moment it is, um, it's not thinking about tomorrow and it sounds kind of cliche and I don't really work on things like that broad. Usually it's a bit more specific, but on the same token, because I have felt over the past week or so not overly challenged or not having a need to uh, fix anything, I've tried to enjoy that. And so if you think about tomorrow, it's very easy to then make that feeling go away. So I'm just kind of in the moment.
2: Mm. So
1: <coughs> <coughs> I feel like my coughs coming up because I'm feeling exposed. Cause I shared that story about uh-huh. that voice coming through. Uh-huh. As soon as I shared it, I was like, Oh, I started to like look around. Like I, my, I had to bring myself back down.
2: Really? Mm. What, yeah. it's, is that because it, what, what do you think it is about it? It's just shy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just getting nervous. You're not nervous about what people think. I don't really care, but it's private.
2: Mm, It's mm, personal. mm, mm. Yeah, I think it's very important to have these kind of keep things, areas like personal and private, Mm. (coughs) some Mm. things. I I definitely have a tendency to overshare and share everything (laughs) Uh, because I grew up in a, a Christian sect, so I felt like I could only actually open my life up to this small group of people. And then so when I broke away from it at 24, um, I overshared to everyone and anyone. <laughs> and then I realised that not a lot of people actually were inquiring. <laughs> 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 so I, so I, I then dialed it back to um, what's relevant, I guess, and if there's inquiry.
1: How have you found that with the show with doing your own podcast now? How, you know, how do you check in with yourself on that?
2: Yeah. I think, I think when it affects other people, that's when I question it. I think the stuff around the being born into that highly religious thing, mm. it, I have a tendency to just share that because I think it's important to sh- share it and get it out of me. Um, but then we like, if I'm in a relationship with a woman, not sharing about our relationship is important mm. because, um, but previously, I wouldn't, I would just do that. But then, after some mistakes and realizing that what they want, it's not fair to, and I didn't, I chose, then I chose not to. Um, and I like that. I mm-hmm. like, I like keeping areas of my life private and they feel more special, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there's places for that, and there's, <clears throat> and maybe, It's always up for grabs as well and up for being changed depending on who's being affected.
1: And I think it depends on what you're learning at that time. Mm. I think for me, any type of sharing, and this goes for anyone that has a podcast or a radio show or just an Instagram account, you know, we, we all can share. We've all got access to share Mm. so much. So I think it's so important to check in with where you've, found yourself on the healing process or the dealing process mm. first and foremost. And and then you can think about sharing. I mm. think because if you're sharing before you've shared with yourself, then that's where I find we're finding the oversharing right. thing happening is that yeah. I think it's not a bad thing that we share and these platforms and this technology, there's good to that. But I think the thing we're missing is sharing and having curiosity and conversation with ourselves first about that we want affirmation that we're going to be okay or we're and that's okay Mm. sometimes but if you're finding yourself to jump to that point before you've inquired with you and had that that sharing Mm. exchange with yourself Mm. i think that's where we're you know that's where some of the cringing comes from, or yeah. the oh god, or why is everyone
2: I, sharing? I'd say I'd say it actually comes down to intent because I feel like there can be cases when you do you share like, almost childlike, mm. innocently, mm. oversharing, quote unquote, Mm-mm. and it's actually adorable because mm. it's it's a person just just wants to be open and wants to connect with people. And then there's times when and this is why I think the core of it comes down to intention, where you overshare and it's. Um, it's because you want validation or you want a sense of feeling comfortable or comfort, or, I mean, that's, I'm speaking from my own experience. I know the difference when I share something, like I shared a, I shared a photo of myself crying once and I shared it because I just felt like I want to share this aspect of myself that is not really on this on this social media landscape at the moment. And I feel like it's just a real thing to do. Um, I'm unresolved about it, but it's just something I'm going through. And this is why I'm crying. And sometimes I feel sad. It's
1: true. It's <laughs> and, true.
2: But then there's, there could be another time when I did that exact same thing, but it'd be from an intention of, I need I need comfort, help me, c- mm. hug me. And um, <laughs> that's a, a shit way to describe it. But you know what I'm saying? Like no, I and, do. and in those situations that the intention is... Um, I guess, neediness or something else. And it's less innocent. And I think it's the innocence that is, is where the beauty is.
1: Mm. And, I, and when I say check in with yourself, I don't mean you, and I agree with you, I don't mean you have to resolve it. I think we just are really quick to not want to talk to ourselves about anything.
2: That's a good point. Yeah, I so like that. So you
1: need to talk to yourself to find the intention. Yes. It's so even a step before that. Yes. You know, like everyone doesn't, no one wants to talk to themselves, you know. Or
2: talk to a close friend that you can mirror. get mirrored what you're going through. I find helps sometimes as well. Because sometimes when you talk to yourself in some states of of anxiety, it's very hard to see clarity. Yeah,
1: true. True. But I think, yeah, and I think that's where I probably become not preachy, but I, I find it important that if you are a person like that, that meditation or things for you to ease that is is important because sometimes a friend might be asleep yeah yeah you know literally
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they might work night shift and then be asleep at 3 p.m. and you're fucked <laughs>
2: <laughs> You've only got yourself, so meditation is the only option. <laughs>
1: We're all doomed. <laughs> it's so true. Well, I don't know anyone on night shifts, so
2: no, I'm I, good. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like self-inquiry and self-awareness, um, very, very crucial.
1: And it can be at any. You know, it can be reflected in any way. I just really, I'm quite surprised that when I started to come out of my spiritual closet, <laughs> that that it that so many people would just couldn't even look at themselves properly in the mirror, Mm. you know, and it, and I, I think when I Mm. thought about sharing some things to try and help people, you know, the import, who are you? And you haven't done all these courses you've got to do, go back to school and do therapy. And I don't want to do therapy. I just want to share what I've learned. Um, and so I got through that, but I really realized very quickly that I would be...
2: It's like, is there a better course than life itself?
1: It's true. (laughs) And I believe that, but it's this other mind that, you know, or the judger. And sometimes you can even put them on specific people that follow yours. You know, there's a face to it. And they may be absolutely unaware that you're doing anything Mm. or give a shit, not give a shit, but they've become the face of that voice. You know, it's Mm. bizarre. Mm. And so anyway, once I worked through that, I realized that not only would I be sharing um, early stage stuff for me that I learned years ago, but really, really basic, back to the beginner steps, which is when you brush your teeth, look in the mirror at your eyes, like look at yourself. It's just that's the beginning.
2: (laughs) Wait a minute, what's that? I've never heard of that. But But
1: like, don't you know, like, don't you feel like, even before you think about meditating or doing anything so many people can't look at themselves right to address that they're there
2: mm.
1: Mm. does that make sense mm. like really not sees. your thoughts not your physic you're just looking at you because your eyes are the quickest way for you to get to that intuition that everyone's trying to get to they live it's that's a kind of direct line
2: the a gift of a mirror is oh,
1: <laughs> mirror work's so important I have a little mirror next to my meditation. Like, I think affirmations are completely... They, like, pack way more of a punch with the eye work, the mirror work. It's just this... I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's also a real girl thing, like a real woman thing. Like I feel like we look at ourselves for so long in the mirror doing makeup and hair, and the, but we're not really looking.
2: Mm, not like you are when you're on acid staring in the mirror. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm still thinking about acid. I just don't know if I – I felt like I was never going to do it and now I want to do it. And I, I'm thinking of more other – just different kinds of um, – state of different, to take me to different, yeah, yeah. I haven't quite experimented there and thinking about starting a family, I kind of feel like I, I don't, I I don't want to go down this traditional road of you need to do all this stuff before you have a baby and all that kind of stuff, but it has made me think about, do I, yeah, is there time for me? (laughs) (laughs) so random.
2: Can I afford to go to Rainbow Servant this year? (laughs) Can
1: I get a babysitter? <laughs> <laughs> hey, mum, I want to go take some some hardcore drugs. It's cool. It's the good shit.
2: Yeah, it's quality. So, yeah. have you, so you've done ayahuasca? No,
1: or I haven't. You know, no, and DMT? I was listening to your podcast with Ash Hart oh, yeah. about it, and I was, yeah. I, was, I was just hanging off every word. Mm. Yeah, no, I haven't done um, – What's the D1 again?
2: DMT. DMT, Don't yeah. Know if it's the active ingredient in ayahuasca, but mm. you can smoke it and it, you, th- you can experience it for a short period of time.
1: Yeah, someone was saying to me it was a bit shorter and an easier kind of. So I think.
2: Well, it's not easy.
1: A, <laughs> but, a, a shorter yeah, kind of approach. Yeah, yeah. But not easier, you say?
2: No, I mean. It's probably easier than ayahuasca because it's not as long term, but I haven't done ayahuasca. But oh, you haven't? I thought you had done it. No.
1: And no interest?
2: Uh, I'm not, I don't feel called to right now because I think it's something like you have to feel completely.
1: Well, that's right. And that's why it's hilarious that I'm thinking about this with my um, fertility plans. Like, it's, I completely agree with you. It's just one of those things. It's like, oh, no, I'm not going to compare it to what I was going to compare it
2: What were you going to compare it to? <laughs>
1: I was going to compare it to the fact that I'd never kissed a girl I was never called to do it authentically cool. but do you know what I mean like I I, have a I need to pass you <laughs> I mean there was plenty of times at boutique where I got drunk and was like oh yeah but I didn't yeah. but it was funny I because I even when I was younger and everyone was experimenting and it wasn't about whether you you know with bisexuality or it wasn't called bisexuality I I I was always still so serious. Like I'd always had this kind of it doesn't align with me. Even at twenty one, twenty two. So I never had mm-hmm. that. Mm. But that's what I mean by called because that's mm. what I that's how I feel. If I do anything, it's I generally have lived like that for a long time mm. without knowing what the label was.
2: Yes, yes. It's an awesome free way to do. And then, and then it's like, I know for sure I'm not gay because I've tried to be gay with people. <laughs> you know, like, like, I feel like I know I'm not gay more than a straight guy that's never kissed a man knows they're not gay.
1: <laughs> I said to my husband before, because I wasn't sure if I wanted to get married, and I said, there's a few things that are on, like, I'm still unsure about. Like, I'm like, I've never try- I've never experienced that. Mm-hmm. And I do find that I'm quite an open-minded person that doesn't mean sexually that's where i you know who i am but i'm still like i think the conversation's open in the world about this like you know you never know mm. so i'm just putting it out there and he was like <laughs> cool like, <laughs> it's just so random I'm a i just bit want nervous. to i just want to be very clear on yeah. all these yeah. <laughs> on all of these things that i'm thinking yeah. <laughs> because if we're going to do this piece of paper i want need i want to come in honestly yeah yeah so <laughs> there was that was it and there was like one other thing of I think the other thing I said was I don't want to, I don't want to get to a point where we're not our best selves for a really long time, mm. just because we signed a piece of paper, mm. and then that was it, and then off we went to City Hall.
2: <laughs> How fun! Mm. How mm. exciting! What a commitment!
1: Yeah, fuck yeah! I resisted that. Did you? Yeah, that was like, it's interesting. Those kinds of conversations yeah, I find them, like we were saying earlier, really private. So it is hard to hear them. And I respect that now. I used to be a bit kind of everybody should share and, you know, and now I really, especially after I miscarried, I, there's just some things you don't understand until you're in it and you can't say for someone to share. Not that I would ever Mm. go up and say, share your story, but I, I often find it important for stories to be told that aren't because I think Mm. it connects us. But like you were saying earlier, I've also grown up and realised at times things are sacred and and that's important to be aware of what is. Mm. So conversations around our marriage before and after are very sacred, but I do think a lot of people don't talk about how it's not necessarily all roses. You know, you are making a big commitment and if you've had a life and you didn't have the perfect parent example... There's resistance, man. Like, oh, I had it. Even getting a ring, I resist, I was like, it was, work, I had to work through some work, self-worth issues for sure. Wow. It was, I, we were out the front of the jeweler and I couldn't get out of the car. I just couldn't get out of the car to go see this ring that we designed. Just was like, I couldn't do it. And it was so bizarre. I didn't know why. And I had to really work through that. It was a beautiful piece of jewelry. And I just didn't understand why I needed it. I was like, I I got Ben. I do not need anything else. Mm. And it was like, the jeweler was so great. She was like, it's just a celebration. It's just a symbol. It doesn't have to, uh, you know, it doesn't have to mean much more than that. But I, I, I wasn't sure if it was because I didn't need it really, or if I just couldn't give to myself. It's couldn't such... receive.
2: Mm. And you think it was that? That's what it was? Well, if
1: I didn't... I wasn't really marrying Ben for a ring. Like, that was... Yeah. Cl- and I didn't even... You know, I just was so wrapped that I found someone so, you know, aligned and spiritual and kind and, you know, all those things that I... You know, there's just in a man is just so I was jackpot, you know? So those things were the last thing I was worried about of how we committed or what that looked like. I just was really wrapped. But when I did meet him, I thought, Oh, okay, I could seriously commit to you. And I hadn't felt that before. Mm. So when I wasn't sure if I'd get married, I knew when I met Ben that I was like, Oh, this is what it, feels like of people that want to do this because I met you not just thinking about it before I met someone. Mm. So interesting. We think about commitment before we've met anyone
2: Mm. to commit Mm. to. Yeah. It's just a total idea.
1: Yeah. So when I met him, I was like, okay, I, I get that. So then I think with all of the other stuff around it, which is why we eloped because I really didn't like a lot of the distraction of that core energy. Um,
2: in a ceremony? Or no,
1: yeah, that real... I just wanted it to be us to make sure that that energy was contained to our ceiling, like Beautiful. our kind of ceiling. So the ring was a part of it and it was just a nice part of it and and I just resisted. I think it really was that simple that I just found it quite overwhelming to receive, mm. all of that at once. Mm. Mm. Um, and so you can very much wish for all the good and then when it comes it's not always easy to take.
2: So interesting. Hey, cause I, I can see the the notion of marriage is, it can query it with the mind. Like, cause I, I've gone through phases of like, I'm definitely going to marry. Then other phases like, uh, uh, I didn't see the, I didn't see the point. I'd rather have like 10 year anniversary parties to celebrate the love of how mm. far we've come each 10 years or something or other. But I can, I also see the beauty in marriage and, and committing to someone and, um, and like you say, I think that's the most important test for it is like, I feel like I want to commit to you that that's really, that's all that really matters. So if, Well,
1: then you'll be called, like I was saying, yeah. well, I'm kind of called to everything. Exactly. You're called there mm. because it's based on a feeling. Yes. Not a thought. Yes, exactly. Or a plan or a strategy, you know, and
2: and it's entirely dependent on a specific other individual. You don't come up with that feeling in isolation. I, I'm, am I'm gonna. I feel right about marrying someone when I haven't even got something I want to. <laughs> exactly. marry. It's, like it's so absurd. Funny.
1: It's so hilarious. And you grow up thinking I'm gonna be a bride and all this stuff, and you're like, you haven't met anyone. <laughs> So it can't happen.
2: It's really the courage for the horse, or so what's the thing? It's
1: bizarre. And it's like, what about if you meet the absolute, and this might happen, like no no judgment if that is something that you really want. Or maybe there is a bit of judgment, I don't know. But it's like. I feel a little bit. Yeah, there is where you go, imagine you find the perfect motherfucker, like the most perfect person for you, and they don't want to get married and you're like, see ya.
2: Mm-mm. Mm. <coughs> totally. Isn't that insane it is and what I also find crazy is how it changes like you know I'm not going to be specific but sometimes with someone you don't feel like you want to marry them and then later you feel like you want to marry them and th- because of things change or vice versa like I used <laughs> I've had both situations where I've been with someone that I did, I've instantly wanted to marry and then later realized I absolutely don't want to marry <laughs> and then I've been with someone that I was like I, I can't see how spending spend life together and now I can Absolutely, everything makes sense (coughs) to spend my life with you.
1: I feel like when I thought that I get that. And I think, but when you were with that person that you thought you wanted to marry and then you certainly didn't, Mm. did you think after when you didn't want to marry that person that actually you were more interested in the idea of marriage? Um,
2: yes, I think it was a bit of an insecure thing. It was more of like, Oh, I found someone. This is, this is what I do next. Mm-hmm. And, Mm-mm-mm. um, I can see that fantasy that I had as a kid <clears throat> playing out with this person because, um, marriage, having kids is a thing that's been recycling in my head since I was a teenager, just cause I grew up in a Christian household mm-hmm. and that, and also a lot of people just grew up with that idea mm-hmm. and, um, and then so I, yeah, so I probably, it was probably quite attached to that dysfunctional yeah. idea. And then the second time it was, it just makes sense. It, it kind of like all the characteristics of that person align so beautifully against my characteristics and, and it just felt more <coughs> natural.
1: Yeah. Right. It's so interesting <clears throat> at the reasons that we do what we do. Mm. So with your – with the podcast, yeah. is there – we've spoken so much about um, not having plans. Mm. Is there a plan? <laughs> Even though we're like sitting here going, we're in surrender. Yeah. We're, but I guess you no, can I've... dream, right? Or you have vision.
2: Oh, With my podcast, I, I've never – but
1: with I mean, the next direction, maybe it's more of a – because it's the podcast and then the website yeah. and the meditation stuff, I suppose, is there – are they all separate or is that, are they a part of some form of vision for you?
2: My podcast is just something I enjoy doing, so I don't do it for money. I just do it as an excuse to have quality conversations mm-hmm. with people. That's it. And connect with people on, on multi-layers and explore the depths of realities and people – in a fun, playful way. That's my only intention of it, and I don't really have any life goal trajectory of it. Um, but with my company, which I just started this year, called Soma Unlimited, that's kind of designed to make um, to work with people, to make education programs, and to make media that is fun but also insightful. And so that's really that's my main trajectory, is wake up the broadest amount of people in the shortest amount of time. Using the, the social media landscape, which is where everyone's face is plummeted, mm. and then if I can drop insightful shit that will help them in a fun, radical way, great, I'm winning. That's that's really all how I do go you about.
1: go with the idea of business around something that is kind of quite sacred or spiritual? Like, how do you merge that? Because I've found that a bit of a not a rocky road, but it's I've got a. Uh, navigate it yeah it's a different kind of navigation that I haven't experienced before because mm. I was saying before I'd hidden this part of myself for so
2: long I think it's finding the niches finding the audiences of people that I mean like there's a th- thousand ways you can answer that question for me specifically mm-hmm. it's it's finding people who who have an audience that is that is interested in Oh, you know, more expanded states of thinking, or open-minded, or whatever you want to call it, and then working with people like that to produce better work with them. It's mm. mm. mainly what. What's your thoughts on it?
1: Just with earning money, yeah, you know, and and fee- and just, I guess, finding comfort in that because I find some of this stuff is just so life's work. Like we all have access to it, or those kinds of things. It's like charging, but. I think I've landed on it now mm. where it's just a, a feeling-based decision each as each decision arises, not some big, you know, company mantra that I then have to live by for the next three years. It's just bit by bit. It's just me now, mm-hmm. you know, so I can do that. It's just me and I can make those decisions and make sure that they take the time to check in with my body and make them bit by bit, which is just – it can be my own business model which mm. is a spiritual one um and if it feels good then tick and be honest about that just as long as i can do that then that's the best i can do
2: mm. beautiful stace well thank you so much for doing this and thanks it's, it's, it's fun thanks fun for inviting
1: me yeah, yeah i know and i feel like it was just a nice timing of when i saw your show i was like oh This is divine and exciting, and I found it really inspiring. Mm. So timing-wise, it feels like we're little brother and sister with this little adventure.
2: We got to know each other a little bit better. And thank you for the vulnerability and the openness, and you're blatantly glowing with total radiance. So keep shining.
1: Yeah, you too. Thank (laughs) you. That's love. This has been another Bijou Podcast production.